back again. Can't, can't get rid of me. I've got to figure out a way to hang this mic. Can I carry it in my pocket? Does that affect it? Okay. I'll do that. Um, it's, uh, it's an honor to be up here this morning, and I almost feel bad. It's the first Sunday with the new pulpit, and I get to, you, you have to break it in with me, but I'll try not to pound it too hard. You know where I'm from, uh, preachers, they like to pound the pulpit, you know, they'll grab it and pound it, so I'll try not to do that, but it, it, it's, uh, Jerry did a great job, and appreciate him, and uh, thank the Lord for his goodness and his mercy, and the song, the last song we sung, Because He Lives, we sung a, a contemporary version of that last night, and it was fitting um, to sing that this morning, I feel like, because that's, that's why we're here, because Jesus lives, and because he loves us, and I thank, thank him for that this morning. If you have your Bibles, and I don't have uh, uh, verses on slides I probably need to work on that. Um, if you have your Bibles and like to turn with us, uh, be in the book of John, chapter 12. John, chapter 12. I'm just going to read um, just a few verses. <clears throat> John, chapter 12, verse number 20. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And Philip went and told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you. Lord, for every bit that we have, Lord, there's so many people across the world, Lord, they may just have a few pages. Lord, I've got 66 books of your word laying in front of me today, and I thank you for it. God, we just pray, uh, Lord, that you would, uh, Lord, that you would open it to us today. Speak to us, Lord, from your word. God, we need you. Lord, we stand uh, in need of, of you today, and we just pray, Father, that you would give us what we need in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Jesus here is, is talking about a servant, one who serves. And in verse 25, he says, Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. He's talking about a servant, talking about somebody serving him and, and being a, a servant of Christ. And 
if anybody can, uh, if anybody is uh, an authority to teach on servanthood, even though he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, it was Jesus. Uh, anybody that can uh, uh, step down out of glory and come down into this world and, and to, to live a life, a perfect life, to be the spotless lamb, to be our sacrifice, because they love us, uh, they, can, they can tell me all they want to tell me about being a servant. And Jesus was teaching here that the, the, the time was, was drawing near to, he, he was going to give his life on the cross, and he knew it. And so this was his last trip to Jerusalem. Um, I remember before we came out here, we, we, we took some trips uh, to some pl local places that we like to go because we, you know, even when we get to go back home to visit, we, we're not going to get to go to all these places probably. This may be the last time we go here. This may be the last time we go there. Jesus' last time, his last trip to Jerusalem. And he could have spent it with his feet propped up saying, I'm, I'm not going to do anything until uh, the day they crucify me. But Jesus took the time here to teach. And it says that some Greeks, um, they came and they came to Philip. And they said, we want to see Jesus. We want to see him. Now, I don't know. Some think that maybe Jesus had went into the synagogue. Some think that uh, Jesus may have been off somewhere praying. But Philip and Andrew, uh, they went to Jesus and they told him, said, there are some Greeks here. And these Greeks had come to worship. And uh, one thing about the Gospel of John, uh, John, he, he talks about the world a lot. You see, uh, we, we didn't hear about, in, in the Old Testament, we didn't hear about these Greeks and, 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 and different ones, but he's talking about these Greeks, and John talks about the world, how Jesus came to save the world, John three sixteen, and he talks about the world a lot, and you can see a picture here of the world. Jesus wasn't just dying for the Jewish people, but he was dying for the world, and so we see this picture here of the world uh, that would be, uh, that would have salvation offered to them and so these Greeks wanted to see Jesus and Andrew and Philip they went and told Jesus that uh, that these Greeks wanted to see him and so I don't know if G I don't know if this was Jesus speaking to the Greeks but it seems like it was Jesus just telling Andrew and Philip what to say and verse 23 through 26 he's he's given them hey here's what's going on right now now, these people may have heard about my miracles. They may have heard about the great things, the, the, the ones that I have healed, the, the water that was turned to wine. They may have heard about all these miracles, but I'm here to tell you that there's something greater about to happen. And I need you to tell them about that. And so he's teaching about, uh, about how he's going to die on the cross for the world's sins. And then he says in verse 26, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. You're not just following him because of his miracles. You're not following him out of uh, 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 just out of uh, uh, you just have, feel like you have to and you're, you're having to perform this service. But you're following him because you want to. And he said, where I am there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the father will honor him. The definition of a servant. Very simple definition. The, the Webster's Dictionary definition is a person who performs duties for others. Now, when I think about somebody that is a servant of the Lord, I don't think about somebody that's just performing duties. 
somebody that performs duties for others that's you know that could be anybody and i could perform duties for anybody in the world you know i could just uh, just because i i feel like i have to i go to work or you may go to work on monday morning because you feel a duty most of us unless unless you work the graveyard shift at a mattress factory doing quality control think about that for just a minute (laughs) You're going to work because it's your duty. You're performing a duty. You have, you have agreed that you are going to uh, perform this certain task or this certain job, and they're going to pay you this amount of money, and you're doing it not on, you're out of duty for your company, but you're doing it as a duty for your family. You're not just, you know, well, you know, and, and maybe, maybe you just go to work just because you enjoy working, and that's okay too. Uh, there is joy. There actually is a little bit of joy that comes out of a job well done. So there's, no, there's nothing wrong with that. But the, the definition of a servant of Christ or a, a, a servant in the Bible is one who is distinguished as obedient and faithful. Now, that's a little more than just I'm doing this because I feel like I need to. It's out of obligation. I'm performing this duty because, uh, but, but just because I have to. But a person who's distinguished as obedient and faithful. If anybody can tell me about being obedient and faithful, it's my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He knows all about it. And he didn't just come here to give me an example of obedience and to give me an example of, of how somebody ought to live. He came here to give the, to the ultimate sacrifice for your sins and for my sins. But as a byproduct of while he was here, he showed us how to serve. He showed us how to give. He showed us how to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord. Over in John chapter 13... Uh, verse number three. This is kind of where I started in studying for this message. And I was reading these verses and it just, it's like it jumped out of the pages at me. How, how could somebody do what he did? In verse number three, now Jesus took the disciples, the 12 disciples, and, and he got them off. Just him and them, and he wanted to spend some time with them. His time was coming so close. And he wanted to spend this time with the disciples, and it could have just been him teaching them. It could have been, he he could have went and said, hey, you know, I'm about to give my life for you guys. Why don't you all serve me a little bit? But here's what he did in verse number 3. says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, knowing, knowing all this, he rose from supper. Now, I said this last night. I could, I'll say this again. If I was in his shoes the Bible would have stopped right there at verse 4 where it says he rose from supper. Knowing who he was. Knowing where he came from and knowing where he was going back to, it says he rose from supper. I would have said, you know what? You guys, I know how you are, Peter. I know how you, Peter, you like to run your mouth. You're, you're so quick-tempered. Uh, Judas, I know what you're into right now. I know all you guys, and I'm done with this, and I would have walked out the door if it had been me in the flesh. But it says he rose from supper, he laid aside his outer garments, 
and taking a towel tied around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Knowing who he was, knowing where he came from, knowing he was the Son of God, knowing he was the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he laid aside his outer garment and he took a basin of water and all these disciples with all their imperfections and the king of kings got down and washed their feet. If that's not a servant, if that's not somebody showing me what a true servant really is, I don't know what he is. Knowing who he is. How many, how many times have we been in a situation where we're like, you know what? I know who I am and I'm not, I'm not going to allow myself to stoop down to that level to do that menial task, you know? I've got a master's degree. I'm not going to work on this ditch digging crew, you know. Hey, I've, uh, um, I, I, I'm not going to, Lord, you, you're, you're, you're asking me to do this. And Lord, I, I'm, I'm not going to do that, you know. Um, I, I remember one time I was talking to my, my pastor. I was a young man, I think maybe 19 years old. And I, I told him I, I was dealing with some things, um, I felt like God was dealing with me to, to do some things in the church. And um, he went to the closet and he got a broom. He brought me that broom. He said, uh, I'll tell you what, if you don't care, go down here and, and sweep. We, we need somebody to sweep this part of the, the we call it the vestibule. I don't know what you call it, the, the church entrance. In the south, we caught the vestibule. I need you to sweep the vestibule. And I'm like, okay. So I went back to his office, and he said, I just wanted to see if you're willing to do that or not. And I said, yeah, I'm willing to do that. But just the least little thing, you know. He, I think he had read a book or something. It was about, and, and he, he was trying that out on me that day. But anyway, um, the king of kings and the lord of lords stooped down and washed their feet. And I was reading this, and I thought, how could, how could this be? And you go back to chapter 12, and Jesus, through Jesus' teaching and through his interaction with different people, he is, he, he's teaching us and giving us some examples of how somebody can be servant-minded, how we can be servant-minded, and how Jesus was servant-minded, even though he was the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and how we can be servant-minded and on back in chapter 12 in verse number 23 and Jesus answered them he, he answered Andrew and Philip the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified truly truly I say to you unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies it remains alone but if it dies it bears much fruit whoever loves his life loses it and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life Jesus was eternally minded. He was eternally minded. He was focused on eternity. And he's using the example of a grain of wheat. He said, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. In other words, that if that grain of wheat stays on the stalk or whatever you call it, whatever seed you can think of, um, apple, I, I love apples. I'll use an apple for example. I love an apple. A good, um, just a good, sweet, crisp apple. 
The purpose of that apple, one purpose is to provide me something to eat. But another purpose of that apple is so that that apple tree can produce other apple trees. And in order for that apple tree to produce other apple trees, that apple at some point is going to have to fall to the ground. And it's going to turn into this nasty, rotten mess. And it's going to fall into the ground. But then that seed, when it takes root, even after it goes through that mess of dying, it's going to start sprouting roots, and it's going to start sprouting a, a, a stem up through the ground, and before you know it, you've got a plant. And Jesus was given that example uh, as the Son of Man uh, was going to give his life on a cross. They were going to bury him in a tomb for three days, and then he was going to come out of that tomb conquering death, hell, and the grave. You see... Uh, he, he, he was giving them an example of something they could understand, something in their everyday life. But he said, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. And then he goes on to say, whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. In other words, if you love this life more than eternal life, then chances are you, you don't know the Savior. If this life, and, and even Paul, he said, if all this, if this, all this life we have uh, would be of men most miserable. Uh, if this is all we had to live for, uh, how miserable would life be? But to, to be a servant, Jesus was eternally minded, and he's telling his disciples here that we can be eternally minded. He says that it's time that we... Uh, that, that this life becomes not as important as our eternal life. You see, this life can't be what we hold on to. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying go out and, and do exactly what the doctor told you not to do. You know, it's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that this life can't be the most important thing that we have. We're living for eternity. And I'm so glad this morning that... Um, like the songs that we sing, that this ain't all that I have. But you know what? If we're eternally minded, we tend to want to serve others. We tend to want to help somebody. And you never know, there might be somebody out there in your community that one little act of service. It may be just a picture that they need of Jesus. You may be the only Jesus they see in their whole life. So he was eternally minded. In verse number 26, he said, If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Um, to be a servant, you're focused, you're focused on others. Uh, Jesus, Jesus proved that in John chapter 13. But you go on over in John chapter 13 and verse number 34. He says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. So, uh, focused on others. Over in 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. And I don't mean to... Um, I don't mean to turn pages so much. First John chapter 4 and verse number 7. So beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves, loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because 
God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation. That's a provision for for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Focused on others. A servant, a true servant's focused on others. Verse number 27 in John chapter 12 says, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Jesus, he had a mission, and he knew what his mission was. And he said, for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify, thy, glorify your name. He had a mission. He, he, he was focused on the mission that he was here to do. We have a mission this morning. Our mission is to, is to glorify God, whatever that, whatever that, um, whatever that looks like uh, in your life. I, I think sometimes we, um, we get so focused on the results that we forget about the mission. Um, you may be living out your mission right now and you don't even know it. You say, oh, I, I get up on Monday morning, I go to work, I come home, I fix supper, uh, we uh, watch a little TV, we go to bed, uh, get the kids, help them with their homework or whatever, and it just, feel, it just feels like this routine. But you're, you're, you're living out your mission, you don't even realize it. Uh, Jesus was focused on his mission. I think about missionaries who are overseas and, and in, in some hard-to-reach places in this world. And I, I, I remember uh, when we were back in Tennessee and Lucas was playing upward football and I saw God God puts us where where we need to be I, I believe it with all my heart that um, we you know I needed to be by this football field for like this eight-week time period and I got to sit beside a missionary named Mel and Mel was a missionary to Bangladesh and he was in uh, raising funds, and I just got to sit there next to this missionary. And at this time, we, we were going through a time where we were just kind of uh, running from what God was calling us to do. And so here I'm sitting next to this missionary, and I get uh, I, I, we strike up a conversation, and he's, he's telling me about his work and what he's doing, and I'm, I'm thinking, really, Lord, really? You know, I just want to watch football. That's the first time I heard about the book Desiring God, and he, he told me I need to go read Desiring God. And um, I asked him, I, I said, uh, how can you give up everything to go to Bangladesh? It, it, it's a Muslim country. Um, it, people, uh, they, they hate Christians. I said, how can you just give up everything? And he said, uh, I'm not giving up anything. He said, he said, I find so much joy in doing what I'm doing. He said, I can't explain it to you. And that's when he said, go read this book. He said, you might understand what I'm talking about. But he was so focused on 
his mission. And then it dawned on me that even though I might be sitting there by that football field and my, my son's out there playing, I think, I think Molly was cheerleading at the time and, you know, and, and we're just kind of running them around. But at that time, I was living out the mission. God, God knew, uh, I, I believe God could look down through time and he knew that Wayne and Sarah were going to be running from what God was calling them to do. And he knew that they were going to be there by that football field. We were, li- we, we were living our mission, raising our kids. And what, what I'm saying this morning is, uh, a servant is focused on their mission that whatever it is, whatever your calling is, God is, God has in your life. And then he goes on to talk about, he, he's, he's foretelling about uh, giving his life, verses um, uh, 28 through 36. And then he tells us something about time in verse number 35. He said, and Jesus said unto them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. I believe Jesus knew what time it was. I believe he knew what time it was. I believe he knew that his hour was coming and it was about there and he even though they might not they didn't have clocks on the wall like we have but Jesus knew what time it was and he knew that his time uh, was coming it, 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 he, he didn't have as much time left as he had before and so he's telling them he said the light is among you for a little while longer walk while you have the light lest darkness overtake you uh, while Jesus is saying you've got this little bit of time to spend with me while I'm here on earth so walk with me here. Listen to me. Uh, hear what I'm saying to you. And I thought about our life over in John, or James chapter 4 and verse number 14. James said, what is your life? It says, you are a mist that appears for a little time, then vanishes. Your life is a mist. The King James calls it a vapor. Your life is just a vapor that's here for just a little while, and then it's gone. It don't matter if you're here for 20 years or if you're here for 120 years. Your life, in the grand scheme of eternity, is just a vapor. I think it's time that the church pays attention to what time it is. And the church becomes God's hands and feet in this world that we live Y'all have probably heard this before, but it's one of my favorite quotes. C.T. Studd, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. All the things that we do in the world, all the accomplishments, all the accolades that we might have in this world, listen, that's all great. But nothing is more important than what we do for Christ. It all pales in in what we do for Christ and you it what you do for Christ it may you may feel like it's just the most menial little thing but it's so important I think about when we come to church on a Sunday and everybody's coming in and there's I was thinking about this this morning there's so many moving parts in a church and everybody just does their part and there's so many people that does their part in a church that's never talked about, that's never seen, that's ne- you know, you may never get any recognition for what you do, but you're serving. 
You know, we, we come in, we've got, we've got bulletins, we've got a, we've got a pulpit. Uh, you, there was a lot of work done on the church before we came out here. Y'all, y'all went through a major renovation. A lot of things, a lot of things that are done every week, every, uh, you know, maybe somebody, uh, that they may visit somebody that's sick or they may go visit a neighbor and invite them to church that nobody ever knows about it, but you're serving, you're serving. And you know what time it is. Now, um, Jesus, when he talked about it, he said, walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He, he knows what time it is, but he's not worried about what time is lost. Notice that he didn't say, shame on you for the time that you didn't walk. Shame on you for not serving 10 years ago. Shame on you for not doing this 15 years ago. He's not worried about the time that's lost. You see, I think sometimes we, we tend to worry so much and we have all this guilt about what we've not done instead of focusing on right now. I have right now, I have this time on this day that God has given me. I may not have this time tomorrow and I can't worry about this time yesterday because it's in the past but I've got this time right now. What time is it? Jesus was serving. He knew what time it was. And go on over to verse number 44, verse number 42. Something else he was focused on. Nevertheless, many even of the authorities believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it so that they would not be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me sees him who sent me. You see, the Bible says that there, even though Jesus had spent uh, three and a half years in an earthly ministry, there were so many that did not believe. So many that had just turned a blind eye to it or and in in most cases it's like it says here in verse 42 it said but for fear of the pharisees they did not confess it many believe but because they were so afraid uh they 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 didn't confess that they believed in jesus because they were afraid of being put out of the synagogue because they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from god he was focused on God's glory. A true servant is focused more on God's glory than man's glory. A lot of things that we can, we can work for in this life, but it, God's glory stands above it all. His glory should be more important uh, than our accolades. And his glory should be more important than our life. God's glory. And I... It's my prayer that people would come to the place in their life to where doing something for the glory of God would be such a joy that you get so much joy and that you get so much glory from that because you're glorifying God that maybe nobody else even ever knows about it, but God does. Verse number 48, 
He said, the one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the fathers who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know what his commandment is. I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the father has told me. He's talking about the word. Can you imagine sitting there? I don't know if this I don't know if this hit the disciples or not, but you're literally sitting there, and as Jesus is speaking, you're literally hearing the word of God being spoken from God Himself. The Word of God. See, he was focused on the Word. Um, as Christians. There's, there's so much to distract us from God's word. There's so much to take our time. Um, it, it, you, when you come in in the evening, maybe from a hard day's work or a hard day's school, oh, the easy thing, and I'm saying this not as somebody that's holier and I'm not looking down my nose by no means, is to sit down in the recliner with the TV. But God's word, we need God's word in our life. And Jesus was speaking the word of God, and he said that that's what, uh, that, that's what the world uh, will be judged by in the last day would be the word of God. And he said, I've not spoken on my own authority, but the fathers who sent me. And he said, I know that this commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. He's speaking the words of eternal life. He was focused on the word. Even up till the very end of his earthly life, he was focused on the word of God. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit and joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. But he's speaking about the word. They said it's alive and active. It's quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. In Bible times, like the Roman soldiers, for example, a battle sword would be sharpened in two different directions. Uh, you got two sides sharpened in two directions and it would cut going in and it would cut coming out. And he said the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. You know there's sometimes when I'll you know maybe I'm feeling really good about myself and I'm just so uh, I'm, to be uh, lack of a better word I'm excited about how good I'm doing. Anybody ever been like that? I mean you just feel so good about yourself. You know I've, I've, I've really my prayer life's been good, Lord. Um, God, I've really been digging into your word. I've, I've, been, I've been at church every Sunday. I'm just feeling good about myself. You know, I'm doing a good job. So I open up his word one day thinking, you know, God, you're going to encourage me and just really continue to build me up and me feeling good. And I open his word and it's like a dagger to the heart. Maybe something I didn't want to hear. Maybe some pride that I had. And it just cuts like a it, it just cuts like a knife when I open it up. Maybe you come to church and 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 the the, the preacher's preaching and and you're just feeling good about yourself and there's something about it. it's not the preacher but it's God's word and it just it just seems like it just cuts like a dagger. 
I'll give you an example. Me and Sarah, about three years ago, we, well, it was longer than that when we started attending this church, but we had decided that we wanted to find the biggest church that we could possibly find, and we wanted to go, and we just wanted to hide in the crowd of this big church. Nothing wrong with a big church, and we found that after a while, you can't even hide in a big church. God knows you're, God knows right where you're at in seat number 1533 or whatever god god knows where you're at so we're gonna we we're going to this church and and we're we're going to hide in the crowd and we have a couple of friends that go there and we think this is great this is going this this is going to be our gig right here and it was a it was a good church and we enjoyed the worship and the the pastor was he was just a great teacher and so we we started attending this church and God gives us a month, you know, we're just really enjoying it. You know, we leave church and we're feeling really good about ourselves and where we're at and what we're doing. And so then one Sunday we show up uh, on a Sunday morning and the worship was just awesome that day, you know, and uh, the preacher begins to a series and he said, uh, I, he said, I, I'm going to start a series and he's, he's preaching on pride and I can't even tell you what scripture he used. I can't tell you what all he said about pride. But as we sat there, it's just like the dagger was in my heart. And I'm looking over at Sarah, and she's feeling the same thing. The kids, meanwhile, they're in youth church, and they're just enjoying life, you know. So he's done preaching at the end of the service, and they sing a song, and... um or playing music and everybody's up shaking hands and telling everybody you know see you next sunday and me and sarah we're still sitting there and we're just kind of humped over with our eyes closed trying to figure out what what do we do with this you know it's like this preacher that we have never even physically met he didn't even know we existed but god is piercing our hearts back here in seat number 1533 in this big church we leave church, and all week, you know, we're talking about this and how, you know, it's just like, it's like God was just speaking straight to us. Whew, I'm glad that's over. <laughs> go back next Sunday, it'll be better. We go back next Sunday, and it's the same thing. I mean, it's like he just, it's like God is speaking straight. It's like everybody else is, is just sit over here for a minute, and here we are, and God just speaking to us, and there's that dagger again. And we're just humped, we're just doubled over and just at the end of the service and we just don't know what to do with it. And this goes on for like a six week. Um, you'd think we'd have enough and say, let's go find us another big church. But we kept going back. But that's how God's word works. We have to be affected by God's word in order to affect other people with God's word. It's got to affect us. Now, I like the, the illustration of uh, you get on an airplane, and before the plane takes off, you've got the flight attendant up front, you know, and explaining how the, the oxygen mask works. And they always tell you if you have a child, even though your natural response is to help your child first, get them what they need, but they said always put your oxygen mask on first. Make sure it fits good. Make sure everything is right, and then help your child. That goes against human nature because human nature says, I'm going to help my child to the very end. If it takes my life, I'm going to help my child. But the reason that is is because 
you might run out of oxygen before you've helped your child. And there you both are with no oxygen. So it's kind of like that with God's word. God's word needs to affect me so I can help my kids. I can't be one that just says, hey, uh, I'm going to take you to church and um, get you what you need at church. And then when we go back home, uh, we're just, everybody's going to go in their own direction. And, and, and we're not going to talk about the Lord. And we're not going to, uh, we're not going to open his word. But if God's word's affecting me, then maybe I can help my children with God's word. He was focused on the word. Being a servant is not, um, it's not about living out a duty. There's so many people who are going through the rat race of life and they're, um, all they know about God is it's this commitment that I'm going to make this commitment and I'm going to do all I can do out of, out of commitment and out of obligation. But being a servant's not that at all. God has given me everything. He's given me eternal life. He's given us eternal life. And we serve him. It's out of gratitude. It's not because we have to, but there's a desire down in there to serve God. You may be here this morning and maybe you're thinking about some time that maybe that you've, that you've wasted. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior. Today can be that day that you give your life to Him, that you allow Him to come in to wash you with that blood that He shed on the cross. Let's pray. Father, we thank You, Lord, for giving us the perfect example of a servant. And God, you went all the way to the cross and bore the shame, the penalty of my sin, Lord, so that we could have a Savior. And God, we just want to praise you for that today. God, as we sing this last song, God, we just want to praise your name for what you've done. And God... We don't want to do this out of obligation, but we just want to praise your name. And God, it's our prayer if there's one here today that doesn't know you. God, that they may come to know you and to know this salvation that we sing about today. In Jesus' name.